another one. You get two minus. Catch me outside. How about that? You are now listening to Random Healthish. Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Random Health-ish. I am your host, Dr. Gloria Stone Osbeck, and tonight we have a very special guest. Um, we have with us Miss LaDonna Graham, and she is going to be talking to us about how to prepare our mind, our body, and home for hip and knee replacements. So without further ado, please join me in welcoming Miss LaDonna Graham to the show tonight. Hello. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Welcome. Yes. So, Ms. LaDonna, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Okay. Um, I am LaDonna Graham, known as DNA Donna. I'm the owner of Body Wisdom Wellness, which is a holistic health uh, center. But people mostly know me for, you know, my DNA testing and actually teaching other practitioners to help build their businesses to do work and have a better outcome with their clients. And so it's just been a wonderful journey in the holistic health arena. Yes, absolutely. Um, so tell us a little bit about, uh, let's kind of just dive right in into, you know, preparing our minds bodies and homes for hip replacements so talk to us a little bit about that well you know there are hip replacements and knee replacements i call them replacements of it all shoulder hips knees and toes remember that song hey, <laughs> so <laughs> so many people are plagued by this especially people of a certain age they have lots of injuries and in that long-term care or short-term care has been a a part of that, if they had to have a knee replacement, hip replacement, shoulder, rotator cuff, ankle uh, surgeries. And when they go home, they're not knowing what to do and they have more difficulty adjusting because they haven't prepared their they homes for it. Mm -hmm. Mentally, um, everybody feels like they could just be like Superwoman or Superman and get right back into the game again, but it's not. It, you know, healing takes time. It's Sometimes it takes more than the six to eight weeks to get back to recovery. And so it would be better if their homes are prepared, if they have their home-based advocates prepared for them um, and rotate people out, it won't be so stressful. And so, and that can, you know, the less stress in the body can allow the body to heal better from my point of view. And they can, and then after that, they can get back on track better. Their their PT could be, their physical therapy could be better. The occupational therapy could be better because mentally, you there's no barriers. And in the mind, you know, the the brain and the body works together, which means that if you're thinking about pain, if you're thinking about difficulty, it can actually exacerbate or block the healing process because you need those good things coming in, those good energies. Um, because your nerves and your cells respond to what your body is thinking. Um, and so therefore, I always, um, and even the gut with that, because with the pain and everything, they, they call it brain-gut connection. You know how your brain, can you can see something and your gut responds to it. Like you have, um, you know, like when you're in love, I always say that when you're in love, you feel the butterflies, you feel the tingling in your stomach. 
without you even that fight or flight response. And so people don't realize that that happens, um, but they need to definitely prepare their mind for it. And so I, over the years, I have helped give suggestions on what they should do to just prepare better so that the healing process has no barriers. So what are your suggestions? What do you suggest people do in order to prepare for, you know, such a major surgery like that? Oh, it's so many things. So mentally, let's start with the head first. So mentally, okay. <laughs> um, there's so many thoughts in your brain, right? Because of the limitation. You're probably already in the frame of mind as I, I wish I would have, could have, should have made frame of mind, right? Or I shouldn't have done that. Or I feel so embarrassed. Oh, at this age, I don't think I can make it. Uh, I've already placed myself in this position. There's no, there's no sense of me doing PT or anything else that's going to help me. So I'm just going to give up now because of, because I'm at that age anyway. That's a part of aging. And we definitely don't want the person to have that type of frame of mind. So usually I suggest um, journaling and speaking with them about what are they looking forward to and what to map out what they look like to take small steps. So for instance, um, there are, we have some CDs or they can get some things off of YouTube where we can talk about mindset, just placing the mind in the position for healing, having an open mind about healing. Healing can come. So there are some affirmation and motivational visuals or just audio that I suggest that they listen to or I give them to them in their point of healing. Also in the journal, we're doing self-talk. We do it. We writing down. It's almost like your um, you heard of those business plan journals. Those um, uh, and I have them cut out little pictures and stuff of what it looks like to feel empowered um, out of magazines. And we we do those things. Those uh, what do they call those books? Um, journal books or you know looking towards the future of healing. So maybe they have words they they can say empowerment. Then they have a picture of somebody like lifting their hands up, you know, or on a vacation and they can see the smile on their face. So if you put yourself in that, you know, just like some doctor offices have clouds at the ceiling or fishes swimming, uh, that visual picture helps put them in a state of mind of relaxation, which can then promote um, healing. So that brain connection start from there. So the journaling uh, and then the other thing about um, is speaking to someone also. So I would be the practitioner or maybe they have a life coach or even the doctor. They can talk about what am I looking forward to? How can progression happen? Because we want them to know that progression can happen, that they're not stagnant where they are, that what does this timeline look like? So therefore, they're able to um, approximate how it's going to feel along the way and where they should be getting better at. So if they reach the first milestone, this is a realistic thing that I'm looking forward to. How can I um, congratulate myself on working hard towards the first milestone, the second milestone, the third milestone, which is probably at the end, that's 90 days, you know. Uh, so eight weeks is about two months. So it's like a 90-day journal. And it actually helps them a lot. Um, the third thing that I do with them is I have them to give me their victory song. <laughs> so they have some empowerment songs and because I deal with people from all over um, from country music to R&B music to um, uh, rock 
you know. Um, so there's from everything. I'm an MTV baby, so there's a lot of genre of songs. So I can relate to all my clients when it comes to that. And so I have them to pick out uh, like two two songs a month that that's their victory song. That's what they listen to in the morning when they don't want to get out the bed. And so it kind of helps them and they feel good because then if it's a, a song that I don't know, I try to learn the song with, you know, so I can relate with them. Um, like Love is a Battlefield. I don't know if you heard of those songs or like Bon Jovi. Um, just just different songs. And if it's an R&B song, of course, probably I know that song. And and when they come into the office or we're doing a virtual appointment, I can play that song. And they actually, it actually works to calm them down. And they say, like, oh, you remember? I do remember. Oh. And so, <laughs> so sometimes they don't think that as a practitioner, we're listening because, you know, of that. And the final thing that I do for them is that they pick out their hashtag. So um, every client has a hashtag that is like their thing that I, if I'm writing them emails, um, that's their hashtag that I always put in some some kind of way. Or if it's a if if I'm doing a story on them on my Facebook page, I put their hashtag on there. So that kind of helps them remind them also how they feel about themselves is if, if it's in a positive thing. And so for the mental health part, that has been very helpful uh, for them because now they don't feel so alone. And when they are alone, they have something to reflect on and look at while they are going through their healing process. Absolutely. I love that. I feel like I need to give me a song to wake me up. <laughs> get me out the bed. <laughs> you need it. Everybody needs it. I, well, I, I personally do it on my own, on myself. And even with even with children, I've done it with my son. Um, if he's feeling some kind of way, I don't know if you remember Nas' song, I Know I Can, you know, mm -hmm. that song do what I want to be. And it was in a child voice and everything. Yeah. Played it for him every morning. So if he was leaving, he was singing it without even knowing that he was singing it, right? He yeah. wants your clients to be humming it and then that kind of puts the pepper in that stuff. And not only that, it changes the whole body chemistry and it promotes the healing process. At least that's what I think. I think it all goes. That's where their meditation, where music is therapy um, in that process. And so most people don't use it, but I think that they should use it. It helps. It helps. I, I agree to that. Um, so what do you recommend in reference to preparing their bodies? Okay. So we already know that the body is in a broken state, right? And we want to take the negative towards the positive or the abnormal state, which is, you know, you now you're in a state of um, not being as mobile as you want to be. But there are exercises that you should do with your physical therapist or your occupational therapist. First of all, I want the client to be open. <laughs> you got to be coachable and teachable in this process. Um, that's very important. Um, also, they still using that same journal from the first part of it. And they are going to write down their progression. They know where their pain levels are, right? So from 1 to 10, I always ask them, what is your pain level? You know, zero being no pain, 10 being the highest pain level. So we are tracking them along the way as they're doing their exercises. So whether we're doing ankle pumps, whether we're doing stretching, whether I'm letting them use a resistance band, whether we're just walking, you know, seeing how long they walk and I'm watching their gait. Um, 
is, is very important because how are you going to be able to track progression? Remember, the whole process of this healing process is to progress from an abnormal state to the, the whole healing. And so in order to doc, when you document that, you can actually see and they don't have to be discouraged if they halfway through and they feel like, oh, I'm not getting anywhere and we just don't want them to lose hope. So um, also in there. So if you're doing the exercises, you're drinking the water which is very important. We got to keep the muscles and the joints and the ligaments flexible, right? So we, we need water. <laughs> we need water in that process and then proper nutrition. Um, if they're going back to eating the things that could uh, slow the process, you know, of course, processed sugar, things of that nature, slows down the process of healing because it could become a barrier. Even milk and things, because it can cause mucus in the body. It can cause um, stiffness if you're not drinking enough water. So, it, And it also depends on the condition. So if they are rheumatoid arthritis clients, there are some foods they should not consume because it will prolong. <laughs> or if they have gout, right? If, they, if they're having hip issues, but then they have a secondary issue like gout and mm -hmm. diabetes, because most of the time it's not just one thing right they're not just no, one thing. they have multiple things that they're dealing with so if they're a diabetic we don't want them to eat the things that keeps that keep you out of whack we want you to have most of the healthy foods um proper nutrition proper hydration will allow promote the healing process to continue without slowing it down not that it can't continue to heal it just will be a slower process and then we don't want that. And so other precautions that I've been telling a lot of people about is if they're going to get um, dental work done or um, which is major, that can actually set them back. Um, even if it's months after the uh, replacements, hip replacement, knee replacement, because it's a foreign body in the body, um, it could be prone to an area where bacteria builds and so then that you might think that you're just going through the pain process but actually it may be deteriorating and causing inflammation and other causes at the area where you had the surgery and we don't want that because that can go into a gangrene and you know, a whole host of other stuff that goes on so um um so to prepare the body better those questions you need to have a great conversation with your doctor and all the practitioners that's involved um also, I like for my client, if they're doing hip replacement, knee replacement, of course, they have the PT person, occupational therapist. And I also suggest a person like yourself who is a chiropractor who they need to see all the practitioners because each, each practitioner has a different thing that together as a cohesive healing unit can help the person get better for long-term recovery. Not just yeah. right now, but like one behind the other. They should have long-term recovery because the six to eight weeks sometimes is not enough depending on the age, depending on the degree of the injury. You know, it, it should go because you only have PT for so long. Mm -hmm. You only have occupational therapy for so long. And then some clients are like, now what? Then I say, well, it's time to see the chiropractor. Now you should be at a certain level where the chiropractor can see you and then they can help you further along so that mobility can be even better. Right. What do you think about that? 
Um, they're definitely going to develop, you know, scar tissue and things of that nature uh, after the surgery. And so sometimes, depending on how much scar tissue is developing after that surgical procedure, uh, you know, chiropractors can do some soft tissue work to kind of help uh, decrease uh, the healing time and decrease the limited mobility that scar tissue will sometimes cause. Mm -hmm. So um, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, I think so too. Less scar tissue, the better. Yeah. <laughs> because what do you think about the scar tissue? What does it do if they don't get the proper techniques and things? And what if they don't do anything? What do you yeah. think? What, and from your professional opinion, what happens during the scar tissue? It's just going to kind of just, you know, connect in various uh, different ways over the healing site. And so it can possibly, you know, limit their mobility. Mm -hmm. So if they have a lot of scar tissue in the knee, you know, maybe they won't be able to extend their um, knee all the way out like they should. So it's going to, you know, decrease our range of motion uh, quite a bit. So I think that's important. I think a lot of people forget that aspect of it. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I say if you don't move it, you lose it. And that's when yeah. scar tissue comes in and it hardens. Um, mm -hmm. It stiffens. I shouldn't say hard. It stiffens the area and it makes it harder to move if they're if they having a hip replacement it makes it harder for them to get up out of the chair if they have a knee replacement they need that support it you know ugh. and then <laughs> on top of that they using the walker or the or the cane or you know whatever assistance they putting all that weight on that instrument and even the proper mechanics of getting up, whether they like rocking and you know how it is, they one-sided <laughs> yeah. to get up. If you if you can lessen the scar tissue, you have a better outcome for the quality of life. And yeah. so then the healing process can be better. The less scar tissue, the better um, for that part of it. And so that's why I think it's it's not, it shouldn't just stop at the at the two therapists as a promotion of healing. Actually, it might take you a whole year to heal, um, especially if you're looking at the walking thing, the walking thing with the hip, because there are so many muscles attached. They don't think about their gluteus maximus being a muscle that helps out with the hips. Mm -hmm. They don't look at the thigh muscle looking at to help out with the hip or the abs as a muscle to help out with the hips with walking mobility. and and how you lift up your legs and how you moving with your gait or are you limp, putting more pressure on one side of the body to the next you tend and then that actually affects the spine what do you think about that yeah absolutely um people always um come in with like major bank issues and it's like well you know what happened what did you do and they would just say stuff like oh i didn't do anything i just been down to pick up you know something and so, but they don't realize that because their knees, their feet are off, you know, their knees are misaligned and mm -hmm. it's just like a domino effect. So it makes everything else off track too. So mm -hmm. um, when they come in and their leg, one leg is shorter than the other one mm -hmm. and it's throwing the hips off and then, you know, you're putting more pressure on one side of the body than the other, mm -hmm. you know, it's just a domino effect. It just all just goes downhill. After that. It does. <laughs> It does. I, I I always suggest also when you talk about exercising, especially with my seniors, I want them to go swimming. Oh, I want yeah. them to do like the aqua zumba or 
the reason why I said Aquazuma is because just the socializing and activity, the constant moving in the water, because that takes off the pressure when you're on, on uh, solid ground, right? Um, and that buoyancy helps with flexibility a little bit while it's in the water. So that's a therapy on its own. Um, but it's a fun environment. But they also have classes for um, people who've been injured. But water therapy is probably number one on my list as far as them exercising. If they can get to a Y or if they can get to places that allow that to happen. Because one day in my in my dream of a better holistic center, um, I have an idea for a water therapy. You actually, uh, it's a treadmill inside of the water and they're actually walking in the water. So the buoyancy for the healing modality. Uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of water and healing uh, when it comes to that and heat, if it depending on what the ailment is. Um, for arthritis people, heat is their friend it helps loosen up that muscle. The water helps re reduce the shock resistance. And so therefore they're able to move more. And with the dancing, with the Zumba, then we can put it all together <laughs> and then they can do more stuff. They feel like, oh, I can do it. And they probably move things that they wouldn't have moved, you know, the spine. And when I think about the hip, I look at L1 to L5 or S1. Um, the sacral. I'm not sure. What do you? That's that's my target area. What is your target area if they have a hip replacement issue? Uh, after after they've actually had hip replacement surgery, I just go straight to the hip and I just uh, do some soft tissue work on that hip. Like mm -hmm. I said, to kind of prevent those adhesions. Um, in reference to adjusting, I don't adjust that hip until it's like fully 100% healed Heal. and then I try to use more of low force techniques uh, versus a high velocity uh, adjustment because you know I don't want to re-injure it because it is a foreign body you know inside that hip joint so you know yeah and you remember I, I was telling you that my granddad had his hip replaced and um he kind of got it I think he was out in the garden and he kind of turned the wrong way. His hip got caught mm -hmm. and then it got infected and then they had to go in there. So I think they had to go in there twice after that to That's kind of cool. get the infection, you know, under control and everything. So, oh, it is, it can be a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> and I've also seen uh, patients with knee replacements as well. Mm -hmm. And so um, by me doing soft tissue work, um, I was able to allow them to put more weight on that head, uh, mm -hmm. on that knee, excuse me, and um, also to kind of reduce the amount of scar tissue that was in that uh, mm -hmm. knee joint as well. Along with that, we've done some medical massage. So I, I'll have a therapist come in and do some medical massage with them to help like push some of the inflammation and stuff around to help loosen up that muscle a little bit. But in agreement with not so much, but enough that depending on where they're in their healing process and what is the next step to um, help them out with. Now, we do do some supplementation for rebuilding um, uh, with that. So, um, glucosamine, some of the um, coral calcium, um, and um, I like collagen. 
depending on which type of brand it is for the collagen to help with the ligaments and supporting joints. Um, and again, nutrition is, is huge because it doesn't make any sense to take some of those things if you're not eating properly <laughs> to get the proper uptake so it can get to that area. But one of the things that we also do, we do a removal of inflammation at the area. So while they're still healing from the surgery, if they're if they had a hip replacement week or um, knee replacement or um, were the area of concern or were they telling you if they have more pain on the left side or the back side or even in the back, um, I have a process of through a cation exchange where we can actually pull some of the inflammation out of that area so that it can still have better mobility. So if they did become stiff in between their visits, they could remove and that will allow them to have more mobility. And that's more of a functional medicine application. And that's what I actually teach other nurses or caregivers to provide so that um, it loosens that up for them. Um, and then it, as a take-home product, as a do-it-yourself, they can take a, um, a bath um, that is created just specifically for them. It has minerals and clays and things of that nature, just like um, you heard of like the hot springs and, and uh, healing muds. And so that's basically what it is. It's a medicinal mud that actually has the effects of pulling inflammation at that localized area so that they can have better mobility. And surprisingly, like right afterwards, you can see the difference. Um, most people are like, what is that? What did you put on me? <laughs> <laughs> what did you put on me? And they just think it's like, you know, mud from outside. But it's not It's not mud from outside. It has different types of um, herbs and stuff in there to promote. Um, and when I say cation exchange, I'm, I'm looking at, um, you know, from chemistry, the plus and the minuses, right? The cations, the plus and negative is the ion exchange. And, you know, um, you know that... Uh, uh, Stiffness, uh, inflammation is negative. The product is positive and negative positive attract and it pulls it through. Just like it's like a light form of electricity natural, mm -hmm. if you want to say it that way, but it pulls through. And you say, well, how can it do that? It it can, it pulls through the system that you have to dump it out. And so once that is removed, the patient, the client has more mobility and they actually, uh, y'all become even better friends. <laughs> yeah. Now, LaDonna, your background is chemistry and um, a naturopathic practitioner. So yeah. tell us a little bit about um, your chemistry degree. Uh, where did you go to school? Ah, I graduated from Lincoln University, which is an HBCU in Jefferson City, Missouri. Yay. <laughs> um, I'm actually a published researcher also. I've published um, four articles with Lincoln University and here at in Delaware, I published one more so on um, on O2 on oxygen, really from Dell Tech Community College here in the women on the Wilmington campus. So I've um, I published in those areas. Uh, we actually working with like especially with the CO2 max. We were on treadmills looking working at um, mobility and things of that nature. So my research background and work under the microscope actually helped me better understand at the cellular level how healing can happen. So, which is 
which is they don't teach it anymore, which I'm very um that's what I'm here for now. Cause there's a point where it's like I'm just surprised that a lot of practitioners don't know about it. But in functional medicine, there is a place for it. And I use it more so as an adjunctive or a integrative part um, protocol with their doctor. So whether they with their physician or whether with a chiropractor or PT, physical therapist, this is something that could be done after their um, appointment that helps keep the mobility part still going. So it elongates the process of healing for them better. So it can reduce the amount of pain and, and all of that along the way, along with other stuff. But that's the main thing that I use to help um, to elongate their healing process while they're going through that uh, situation. Yeah, absolutely. Well, now, yes. But, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, but for schooling, I think um, you asked me where's that chemistry, what else I've done. Um, and also, I've actually taken cells out of the... So I used to do animal science research, um, where I actually took um, organs out of uh, rats and mice, and we had to actually study that, you know, process the, the tissue. And then that's another way how I can almost know a lot about how tissue work over time of what we've had to do over time. No, it's pretty interesting. I know. No, nobody wants that job. <laughs> you know, I had another friend that um, she did work with the CDC and mm -hmm. um, they did uh, studies of the of citrus and how it affects cancer. Yes. And uh, they studied that in rats. And so they mm -hmm. found that, you know, a lot of citrus like lemon and stuff like that was actually getting rid of the cancer cells in the rats. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I'm a nurse. So I love that type of stuff. But, you know, for the average person, they may not think it's so exciting. <laughs> I can tell you right now, when I was first starting, uh, I remember going in for the interview with this guy. Eh? The rats are not, like, this big. They're actually, like, that big. And we're not counting the tail. They were this big, and I think he almost passed out. <laughs> Just looking at him. He was like, I'm not doing that. I'm not touching no rat. There's no way. They look like New York rats. That's what yeah. they Oh my God. Oh. And, and, and some of them growl at you too. I, I was like, they growl. Like, they growl. So do you have to use like gloves and stuff when you do that? You should always use gloves. Oh. <laughs> You should not pick that rat up without look, but I have seen, oh, you know, so because it was a different environment. There are people who grew up on the farm, right? My professors who was guiding me through that, they grew up on farms. I'm from the city. I had no idea. And when you heard a rat, you like the brown rats, right? right. I'm not going in there. But these were white albino yeah. rats. They had pink eyes, they were huge. And like I said, we wasn't counting the tail. And I had to pick them up. When I first started, I used to have to give 60 rats a pap smear every single Now, have I you know. ever had one to, like, bite you or something like that or try I, to... I did. Oh. One bit me. No, the only reason why she bit me is because we used to have them on, um, what do you call those reels? Like the hamster? Yeah. They like playing in that. And they didn't want to get... And I had we had time limits 
on this one project, we had time limits on how long they could be in the wheel. And she was not ready to get out that wheel. She was just smoking on the wheel. (laughs) And so I had to like get her out, but they had special gloves and uh, she bit me through the glove. She didn't bite me like, ha, but she let me go. And I let out like, hey, I let you go. Because you actually, you believe it or not, you kind of do. Once you know them over a year, Mm -hmm. they kind of act like dogs. They like, they kind of know you. They look for you. They, you know, kind of, I know it sounds strange, but you kind of develop a relationship with the animals. Uh, Because I would have never thought to do that. So I work with rabbits. I work with gerbils. I work with rats and mice. Um, And I work with, I couldn't go past that. I Mm -hmm. couldn't go higher. Now, I used to have to palpate cows, but that was it. That I was mm-hmm. like, not, and that was an extremely, uh, extremely dirty job because <laughs> I had to go on the, had to go on the farm, and I had yeah. to put a glove on. It comes all the way over here, mm-hmm. and my boss at the time he thought it was funny. He got the little stuff. It was like, you know, and doing it, and was looking at my face, and I was like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> And you know the 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 cows are already lined up. And he was like, you know, he just you know he just rubbing it in. He just thought it was so funny, and then he stuck his hand, yeah, in the back of that oh, cow. Oh my god! And then we had to do ultrasound. So he was like, but look at the baby. You oh, know, he knew that was just like, and I was like, yeah, <laughs> be amazing. Oh, look at the baby. Oh, you're gonna help bring life, you know. So he was trying yeah. to encourage me along the way. And then you're like, oh, okay. And then as soon as he took his hand out, you were like, mm, ah. yeah. And he's like, he was like, good. What you get ready to do for life? And you know, so he had to bring me back. Yeah. Was like, he was like, we were in and out with that dance. And and then once I started doing it, it was nothing because once he started telling me about the health of meat, so now. That research, even though we were just doing reproductive parts, it went beyond that because now we're looking at the health of meat, mm-hmm. which is what issues that we're having with food right now, right? They're eating hormones and how they're walking and they show these cows with these big old lumps on them. And yeah. then that's the food we eat. Yep. And so people don't think about what they eat when we eat their muscles, which is the meat. Mm-hmm. If they had anything, any abnormalities, we're ingested. Yes. When we ingest it, we have that possibility of the same, having the same thing if you don't properly cleanse and eat your body correctly. Mm -hmm. So, working in that, working in that really, um, the education went way beyond what I expected. You know, I just, I just wanted to wear the lab coat at first. I just wanted to be cute. And being potent <laughs> at 19 years old, right? Yeah. But you know, when you really get into the part and you get to understand um, the entire process um, and then how it affects people, then you're then something clicked in me and say, "Oh, I can be more. This could be more than just in the lab." Uh, and when I actually had to do my first competition. 
um, afterwards, people would come up to me and talk to me about my research. Which I, you know, at that at that age, you didn't you didn't think about nothing. But when someone says that actually happened to me, oh, this makes me think about this. You know, when women were going through early menopause or having muscle issues or something, I didn't connect it that young. Mm-hmm. I didn't connect it to afterwards when someone would come up and say, say that's that was me. Or when I was drinking that water, this is what happened to me. Or, you know, because of that environmental thing. Yeah. That the animals eat or what we drink affects our body totally. And so from there, then I started coming home like, oh, you know, your science side. Oh, and then my people was like, don't come home with that stuff. Don't be coming here. Don't be coming here. <laughs> talking about taking paint back to the lab. Don't be coming in here and talking about, you know, uh, lime and... Um, iron and all this other stuff Don't <laughs> and you know when i was little i wanted to be a veterinarian so Did i told my uncle the other day i was like well you know we want to farm we want to grow our, our own food and all this stuff and i was like but i probably can't kill my my um you know my animals like i can't kill them for food and he was like oh so you want pets so i was like uh i guess so <laughs> You said not Bambi. I can't no, hide. Like, no. I was like, no, I can't do that. I can't. I think it I think it's you know, even with the black farmers, um my school at that time we were in the lower part of Missouri. We call it New Madrid, we call it the Boot Hill, New Madrid. Um um I can't think of all the names now, but we call it the Boot Hill of Missouri. And so they were trying to revitalize the black farmers because they, you know, they were like obsolete. And you just don't know how much that one little thing can, how much we were affected as a community on food, water, soil, all of that stuff. We don't, we don't even, it's not that many minorities in agriculture, which we need to bring more minorities in there, but it's not just about farming, uh, but we, we all have to eat. We all have to eat. And if we do it correctly, um, there are plenty of jobs in the, in the field. But you can still be a scientist. You can still be a veterinarian. That don't mean you have to do the dirty job that I did, sticking your hand up in there. But, <laughs> to, but wanting to grow food, do it organically, which is really what we need right now. Um, you wanting to you know grow your own stuff. I think it's, 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 really, it's really good. And it takes time. And it's a craft. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a craft and yes, the detachment, huh? A lot of patience too. Oh yeah. Well, (laughs) it's, well, you know, if you want good food for your body, um, cause now they're growing foods and, um, it could be timed. It's so precise right now. It's not the same. Mm -hmm. You can grow almost anything. We were growing fish out of a petri dish and we did all kinds of crazy stuff that I was like, what? You don't you don't need the womb. I don't know if you ever remember Dolly. Remember Dolly, the sheep that they grew out of a petri dish and she yeah. lived about nine years? That that's remarkable. You don't even need the host of the animal to incubate a baby and it was still walking around just like a normal sheep. Yeah. That's crazy. Now back to the um, hip and knee replacements. Um, what would you say a person would have to do in order to prepare their home for the surgery? Well, 
that's a great question. So when they're preparing their homes, um, because you're going to be in a different state of walking or if you have a wheelchair or if you have a walker, you definitely want to go towards a place that's close to the bathroom, right? <laughs> Why? Because uh, nature is always going to be calling. <laughs> and whether it's in your room or in a living room that's close to the bathroom will be the best ideal space. You want to clear that space out, adjust it so that you can be mobile in and out of there easily. So no rugs on the ground, because if you're having to scoot your feet around or have a walker, we don't want any slips or falls, right? We don't want, we want to put that out all the way, because if you fall and nobody's home with you, what can you do? Re-injure the hip, re-injure the knee, because you're going to try to break your fall and you may have other stuff going on. Another thing is make sure that area is comfortable, um, whether it's a couch or a recliner chair. Uh, so you want to choose the right furniture that will make it easy for you. So now they have remote control recliners that can lift you up to assist you to stand almost all the way. If that's necessary, get that. So it can be easier for you just in case you are alone. Okay. Um, the other thing I would do is have like a, a cooler by so you can have your drinks or your snacks nearby because they will lessen you getting up and getting down if that's necessary. Um, in, also in that space, you want a space where if you're having home care, which most likely you will, that the PT or occupational therapist can have a space to do what they need to do with you without clutter, without distractions if you have pets and stuff you know have them in a way that they won't be distracted like block it off like as if you were a child blocking off your child area and that's extremely important why because you want your therapy and no distraction i just say it like that no distraction because you want to be able to stretch your legs and do your pumps or lift your legs whatever they need you to do if you do that and you have that environment ready then that's less stress from you, whether it's somebody there or not. Because you don't want to overwork the person that could be helping you, right? You don't want to overwork them because then eventually they're going to get tired. So um, so you want to try to have everything close by. If you have a little bookshelf uh, with your books or with the remote control or your computer, anything that you can do reachable, you know, just like if you're going out to buy furniture, you want to make sure it sits right and all of that. Do the same thing. If you get that um, area good, then you will have less issues. Um, and then, of course, again, I said, easier to go to the bathroom. Because now you're definitely going to go back and forth to the bathroom unless you're going to wear adult pads and things like that. And even if still then, if you want to get up and change your own pad or whatever, you can still don't have to walk up steps. Now, if you have a home that's already two levels, um, and your care might be longer, and or if the your uh, physician or your surgeon says it's going to take you longer to recover, or you may have some difficulty even after recovery, then if you're on the second floor, maybe you can get one of those staircases that take you up like on a little elevator. I have a client that has that. She sits right in it, and she push that button, and she go right up. <laughs> <laughs> she go right upstairs. And so, um, and then they, they brought it back down. Very easy for her. She's mostly can be mobile around everywhere else. 
Uh, she just they just move a lot of the stuff out the way so she can get into the kitchen, look at your doorways, practice all of that. You know, get in the wheelchair. If they're if they going to tell you you're going to be in a wheelchair, practice, get that wheelchair. Some people don't really want to mentally prepare themselves for that, but I think it's very necessary so that you don't feel, as again, going back to that mind body, depressed. So now you're not frustrated if you hit the sides of the wall or, you know, you mm -hmm. can't turn the doorknob. I would like for you to just do a, a run through just so you can be prepared and mentally get yourself together. And then also, honestly, when they do that, they are better, um, they are better with their PT and occupation <laughs> because they don't want to be in that state for a long time, right? Because reality sets in. Mm -hmm. And so they're really uh, more cooperative, I find, when they are um, putting their space together. Yeah, and I remember uh, my granddad, the uh, therapist would come to the, to the house and um, so he would have to kind of walk around with his walker around the island, you know, do his little laps through the house. <laughs> so, you know, you definitely want to make sure you have adequate spacing in there so you can do your PT so that you can get better uh, faster, too. Now, LaDonna, what um, so you mentioned that you uh, implement functional medicine in your practice. So. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about some of the services that you do offer. Oh, okay. Um, so a lot of the services I do offer are usually uh, are geared towards the person's ailment. So some things have to be created towards that. But if it's a base thing, we do, as I spoke before about the cation exchange, um, that helps out with more mobility. Um, we also have a sauna steamer. If they come into the office and they're having that stiff pain and I want to take them to not only to remove it, but I put them in, in a warm environment. I do have a sauna. It looks like um, a spaceship. That's what everybody's saying. <laughs> either land forward or land backwards. Uh, but it's, it's an infrared sauna. So um, if when I'm teaching other therapists to do it, they might not be able to have that particular sauna, but they can do a, a blanket sauna. Uh, it might be just a little bit less um, heating ability, but it still works. Okay. Um, we do, of course, medical massage. We do colon hydrotherapy. Some people are on a lot of medication and they need just a little bit of assistance with elimination because um, medicines can sometimes clog them up or they're not eating properly or drinking, you know, they're not eating enough fiber or drinking enough water for their system. So we do colon hydrotherapy. We do um, a lot of spa stuff. Um, and we do um, stretching um, for the client. We help them with the stretches. And we do vibrational therapy. Uh, we also have a sauna with an exercise bike in there. So we're helping them with the mobility aspect of it. Um, so they can actually come in and ride the bike and they can be in France. They could be in Paris. I mean, Paris and France. They could be in Italy. <laughs> they could be at the park. So um, it's like an interactive um, exercise. So it helps them stay um, mentally focused or they can do it with a class. We can, we can do it with a class. And so I actually monitor them monitor their breath we monitor 
their muscle activities so we can see how they are progressing and that's basically the foundation everything else is probably more customizable but that's really the basics for helping with the hip and knee uh, replacements uh, therapies with that and your practice is located where so we're located in Smyrna, Delaware, 1000 Smyrna Clayton Boulevard in Smyrna, Delaware, but we also do telehealth appointments. So I have clients from all over the place, even from Jamaica. Mm. I know. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> believe it or not, you know what I've learned in business? Um, I've learned that if you're good, it doesn't matter. People will, people will travel. When I first start doing it a lot and people start hearing about it i mean people have traveled three and four hours and then they start flying in i just couldn't believe it to be honest with you. i just couldn't believe that they would fly in and stay a week for therapy um but then that's also why i feel that i needed to start teaching other therapists um my technique um because not saying that i don't want their money or anything like that but it just shows that there was a need for advanced care along with whatever therapies they would they were already receiving so absolutely i love that well uh Madonna, do you have any closing remarks that you would like to leave with the guests well yes i am doing a training session with um other therapists so occupational therapists uh physical therapists nurses um trainers who are training people um chiropractors, any, any person that's working with body mobility, um, massage therapists, and they want to help their clients get a better outcome while they're still seeing their doctor, while they're still going through this protocol. Um, my class that I'm having on um, December the 10th through the 12th will be a, a great addition. It does make help you make better outcome, but even more so than that, your client will have a more satisfactory in their recovery. And that's what we end up working for right we're wanting the clients to have a better outcome and we have other um accessory um supplements that can go with that um even creams they have been very we've been getting rave reviews about a couple of our um adjunctive products that goes with that so that the client can continue with the healing process and not just an on and off but we've been tracking it along the way so that is something that we're doing right now so if there's a um a therapist or a massage therapist or occupation, whatever the field is, if they want to white label, they can white label through us. Um, and Or if they want to do wholesaling, we can wholesale through that. Or if they just want to get the products to help and they already have their own line, but they, maybe they just want the line of helping with removing inflammation and learning that technique, they can do that and they can still use their own personal products that they have for their clients. So either way it goes, the process is is just to help get the clients a better outcome in their healing process. Absolutely. Well, Adana, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah. Um, and I hope that everyone who is watching, I hope that you got some very valuable information. Mm -hmm. And um, I want to just say thank you. So thank you for that. And um, everybody else, be sure to tune in uh, to Random Health-ish every Monday night at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. You can catch us on YouTube and Facebook Live. And please remember to like, subscribe, and share.
our channel. All right. So good night, guys. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. <laughs> Bro. Thanks for watching. Remember to like, subscribe, and share on YouTube, Google Podcasts, Facebook, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts.